Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that I need, so you get to listen in, okay? I'm preaching this for my benefit, and if it helps you, wonderful. You know, but it helped me. And so we're just going to pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be together indoors. We, we thank you, Father, that we have, we have the privilege to be able to sit under the word tonight. Father, I realize that it's, it's important what is said, but I know, too, that it's important what you have to say to somebody about what I say. And so tonight, Father, I thank you for open hearts, receptive hearts, listening ears, alert minds, Father. I thank you that people will take what is said and they will apply it to their own lives and they'll go out of here with something important, something that they can put into practice in their own situations and in their own lives and it will enrich them. Father, that is the purpose of every service, is to leave here richer than what we came in with. Father, because the word is full of the riches of the glory of you. The word is full of the riches of heaven. The word is full of the riches of the spirit. There is a richness, Father, that we uncover every single time we open the word if we're ready to receive it. And so tonight, Father, we as a body put ourselves in a place to receive the riches, the richness that you have provided for us. Father, we understand that there is just, there is, there is no end to what you have for us, to what you can reveal to us, for what you can impart to us, and for what we can put to use in our lives. And we thank you for it. We, we just thank you so much because the word has made such a difference in us. It makes a difference every single day, and we're just so blessed, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, hallelujah, tonight we're going to be talking about distraction, you know, and uh, I am well acquainted with distraction lately. You know, the word distract means to, to, uh, to divert. Distraction is, is a, as a noun, is that which amuses, entertains, diverts, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, the purpose of distraction, the enemy has a purpose in distracting you. He does. It's part of the plan. He has a plan for your life. And, and we don't need to help him by giving into the distractions. And I know we all do it. I am so guilty the, of the last eight to nine weeks. I mean, it's just been, I, my flesh has been, my, has been an issue. Uh, my mind has been an issue. My body has been an issue. Relationships have been an issue. Um, you know, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's, it's been harder than it needed to be. Uh, I'll tell you that. I'm just, I'm going, I'm just going to be a real honest with you tonight. It's been harder than it needed to be. And whatever you're looking at right now, if it's distracting you, it's harder than it needs to be unless you've got a hold on it. But the enemy's purpose is to take your eyes, 
your attention, your focus, your energy, and your resources from that which is most profitable for you and for the plan God has for you and your life. Let me say that again. His purpose is to take your eyes, your attention, your focus, your energy, and your resources from that which is most profitable for you and for the plan God has for you and your life. It is a tactic he has used from the very beginning. What did he do in the Garden of Eden? He distracted Adam and Eve by how pretty that fruit was. But take a look at this. Just, just look at this. Put your attention on this. And then they put their attention on, on the fruit, and they begin to let him talk to them then their focus got off of the fellowship that they had with the Father. Their attention was off what God had already told them. Their attention was off the plan that he had for them. And by doing so, by getting distracted, man, what a price we have paid ever since. And you see, distraction will cost you. There's always a price that comes with distraction because your focus isn't there anymore. You know, you, you, you get... You get so caught up in, in life, so caught up in things, so caught up in, in uh, what you want, what you like, what you desire, what you, you think you've got to have, you know, all those things, and, and it doesn't profit you. And you think, well, well yeah, I enjoyed that, but, but did it profit you anything? You know, and sometimes the distractions come not because we willingly, you know, be, let ourselves be distracted. Sometimes the enemy puts things in front of you that you've got no choice but to deal with. But, you know, you can still deal with those things without the kind of distraction that the enemy wants to bring into the situation. There is a way to do it. There is, without, without letting go of the things that are vital to your life. You know, if you go back and, and you look, you know, all through the, through the Word, you can see a lot of places where people got distracted, and it cost them. Lot. Oh, Lot's such a prime example of a man who was distracted. Number, you know what he was most distracted by? Offense. His servants were having an issue with Abram's servants. And instead of him telling his servants to get their little rears in gear and dealing with it, he got in the middle of it. You know, the enemy will try to bring somebody, bring offense to you, and if he can't, that doesn't work, he'll bring offense to somebody else and get you involved in their offense. And that will cost you. And so it costs Lot. What did Abraham do? He said, Lot, this isn't good. And so I'll tell you what we'll do. We will separate, and, and you can choose where you want to go, and then we'll go, the, we'll go to the other place. We, we're not going to have this strife. We're not going to have this contention. We're going to, see, Lot could have done that. He could have gone to all his herdsmen and the people of the house and said, you knock it off. Just stop it. You know, and that's what a pastor ought to do sometimes in some situations in churches when they arise. That's why a lot of churches split. It's because a pastor won't stand up and go, knock it off. Stop this right now. Stop your bickering and your fussing and your fighting and your disagreeing. You know, just stop it. And let me tell you, you as a church member can do the same thing when somebody's in offense with the pastor. Instead of getting into it with them and hearing all their gripes and all their, all their, their, 
their uh, dislikes and all their opinions, you could say, stop it. I don't want to hear it. You have the power to nip it in the bud. Little Barney Fife there, nip it in the bud. And it would be nice sometimes. There would be a lot of churches that would still be together if somebody had just said, stop talking about my pastor that way. Stop talking about the man of God that God put in, in this pulpit and in this church who ordained was ordained to be in this church. You stop talking about him like that. You got a problem, you go talk to him. But don't you try to fill my ears with that nonsense. That was not in my notes. But Lot got distracted by all the offense. And so he, he looked around, and in the middle of his offense, he made a wrong choice. He chose to go to the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it cost him everything. And he didn't realize it for a time. When he got there, oh, he became a great man of the city. He sat in the gates with all the other people, you know. And one choice led to another. After a while, he had compromised himself, and he, he no longer looked like himself anymore. He was, he was keeping a modicum of righteousness, but he was not the man that he once was. And when God destroyed the place, you know, Abraham, you, you know how, how Abraham just, you know, he bargained with God. If I could find 100 righteous, if I could find 50, if I could find 20, if I could find 10. I believe if Abraham had kept going, he could say, if I could just find one, Lord, would you spare him? He, there was one. There was a lot. But his righteousness had been diluted, if you know what I mean. His influence was no longer there. You, how do you know that your righteousness is not being as effective as it ought to be when people around you are influencing you more than you're influencing them? When you're compromising with their standards instead of maintaining the ones that God put in you, that's how you know you've lost it. You've lost it. And he lost, he lost when he got out of that city, he got out with a wife and his daughters and then lost his wife who turned around. She had lost it entirely. When she turned around and looked back, what she was saying is, oh, I want to go back. I don't want to go here. I want to go back. All my stuff is there. My house is there. My possessions are there. All my jewelry is there. You know, we came with nothing. I just got what I own. I want to go back. That's that's, that's where where my life was. And what did she do? She turned into a pillar of salt. He lost his wife. He lost everything. He did not leave that place with those herds. He didn't leave that place with his servants. He didn't leave that place with his wife for very long. She didn't get very far before he lost her too. That's what distraction will do to you. You know, Gideon is a perfect example of somebody who was victorious because he he learned to follow God where distraction was concerned. As God whittled that army down to just those few You know, he weeded them out because these were people who were distracted. And distracted people can't fight the battle. And he whittled it down until he had the ones who were focused on the job that was at hand, that the battle that was coming, they were focused. And that's what they needed at the time. That's what God needs today is he needs people who aren't distracted but are focused and will stay focused on what the plan is. On what God's got for us to do. Uh, Samson, you find over in Judges, distracted by a woman. Oh, oh, you could meddle a lot right there. Mm-mm-mm. 
You could not just distracted by one, but but just distracted by some other person. You know, it doesn't have to be a woman. It could be you know you know ladies. It could be a guy. You know, it's 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 been it's happened many times. Do you know that that, that the enemy has deliberately sent people to this church to distract somebody in this church with you know by getting into a relationship with them and then pulled them out when they should be here guys as well as gals it's happened over and over again it's an age old story it's one that the enemy loves to use and will use over and over and over again that's why i'm going to get ahead of myself that's why you got no business even being interested in somebody unless you check on the inside first don't even look their way. Don't even look their way until you get a go-ahead from the Holy Ghost. It'll save you a lot of disaster. David, distracted by a woman, Bathsheba. Cost him. Cost him. It cost him the life of a child. It, it cost him in front of his, his whole kingdom. You know, a man who'd been after, who was known as a man after God's own heart. It cost him something. You know, he repented and God restored, you know, but it cost him. You know, that kind of thing will always cost you something. God can restore some things, but you know, why have to restore something that never had to be, had to be restored? It wasn't necessary. Solomon, a man who said, God, I just want wisdom to rule this people. And somehow he got distracted by women. Lots of them. Lots of them. Lots of them. I'm thinking, dear Lord, my husband can barely handle one wife. Why in the world would Solomon want that many? (laughs) Probably because he lived in a different part of the palace. That's all I can think. I don't know. But he got distracted by, listen, distraction will come. But distraction always brings compromise. And it it compromised Solomon. You know, you can go on into the, into the New Testament, you know, and you can see where, where Paul was, what they were trying to distract Paul by news of trouble that was ahead. He refused to be distracted. You know, Jesus, it's talking about Jesus at one time, the prophecy out of Isaiah chapter 50, talking about Jesus, said he set his face like flint. You know, and that's the kind of attitude we need to have as we walk through this life, that our focus is just like this. You know, we need to put, like, they used to put one of those blinders on horses, you know, just to keep them focused, you know, to keep their attention from being drawn away by all this stuff that was in the peripheral area. And sometimes we just, we just need to, okay, God's been talking to me about, as soon as God starts talking to you about something specific he wants you to do, distraction is going to try to come. And at that point, when you know God is talking to me about something very specific, you need to get those spiritual blinders out and put them on so that you don't see all the nonsense the enemy is going, is going I promise you, is going to bring your way to try to get you, you know, off track with what, he's, what he's trying, God's trying to do in your life. And in Luke, it talked about distractions of many, about land, oxen, a wife, all this kind of stuff. Um, go with me to Mark real quick. Mark, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Mark, the fourth chapter. And verses 14 through 20, we 
we will not um, read this whole thing. But let's just look at verse 19. Uh, well, it's 18. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. When you get distracted by things, and those are the three different areas that the enemy brings, you know, when you get distracted by those things, it chokes the word out. You know, it doesn't matter how much word you've heard if you allow distractions to choke out what you've heard. And it happens. Well, it won't happen to me. Well, I trust it won't. But you have to be diligent to not let it happen. Because the enemy, you you know, you can go be going along and, and you don't even realize you've gotten distracted sometimes. I mean, what I've been dealing with the last these last couple of months was an obvious distraction, you know, and and it's the cares of this world. It's the cares of somebody else's life, somebody else's situation, somebody else's problems, you know, that, that suddenly, you, you know, you're in the midst of having to deal with. You know, there are things that come that you didn't ask for, that you, that you, that you it's through no fault of your own. They, they come into your life, and you've got to be careful that you're not distracted so much by those things that you forget what the Word says and let the Word get choked out. I'm talking to myself here. I am telling you what. You know, it, it can come in the form of relationships. It can come in form, the form of school that I, I, I've got to study. I've got to study. I've got to study. I've got. Listen, my boys did, did great in school, and they were in church a lot. And people said, well, you know, I, you know, they've got this tomorrow. My kids have got this tomorrow. They've got this. They've got this. And I'm thinking, I raised two kids. You know, what did we do? We never compromised church just because they had schoolwork to have to do. Well, you, you make plans for that. You've got things coming up. Fine. You get home from school. You get a snack. And you get the work done. Get started on it. And if you're not finished when you get home from church, then you get back to it. And you get started on it. And if you have to stay up late, then we're just going to believe God that you, when you wake up in the morning, you wake up refreshed with a clear head, a clear mind, and you're going about your day, and, and so on. You know, we just, there's ways you trust God. You don't give in to all this nonsense. Because I tell you what, as they get older, a teenager will tell you, but I've got this project where you shouldn't have waited so long to start it. Not my fault. We're going to church. But I've got this to do. You can work on it after school. Um, famous words, you know, I, I, when Steve went off to college and I found out all the hours he was putting in studying and doing to, all this stuff, and I was concerned about him. And Pastor got, he's young, he can do it. He's young, he can do it. Listen, he could do it because the grace of God was on him to do it. Listen, do you not expect the grace of God to work for your children? So don't keep them home from church just because they say they've got some project, some school thing to do. You get them in church. Don't provide them a distraction because I'm telling you what, once, they, once you give in and let them do that, then they'll come back with you next week. I've got this. I've got this. I've got... And if you actually put a camera up when you were gone to church yourself, hopefully you did come, uh, you would find out that they probably weren't as focused on that school project as you thought they were. I just... I... If I was a betting person, I could probably win one that, tell, that tells you they weren't that interested in what they were doing until you got home. So they, oh, and then they were like working feverishly to get it done. They've been wasting a bunch of time while you were gone, I bet you. Then there's a job. 
You know, sometimes our jobs, you know, we think we've got to do so much. You know, we've got to do this and we've got to do this. How about just believe in God that he can redeem your time? You give God your time, sow your time into God's area, into God's house, into God's word, into God's time, you know, which is service time, and you see God work in your time. He absolutely does. I mean, I could probably ask Lori about the times that she's run up against problems at work and, and you just don't know what in the world. Okay, where is this? Where is this? Where is it? Okay, where's the mistake? Where's this at? And you just leave it alone. You just go spend some time with the Lord. You come back and bingo. In just a few minutes, there it is. How many, anybody experienced that besides me? I mean, come on. I mean, you have fretted for hours over this thing, and you go, okay, I'm just going to leave it alone, and I'm going to church, and I'm going to put this out of my mind. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to go sit under the Word. And when you come back, there it is. And you go, why didn't I see that before? Because the enemy had you distracted. He had you distracted. Sports, won't go there. Other people, you know... It's, it's, it's funny, you know, Pastor George is on heaven, so he won't mind me telling this on him. But a number of years ago, he, uh, he decided that he was going to start having a Saturday night service and, get, and, and, and not have a Sunday night service. And he, was, he started this in the spring of that year. And this was great. He was going, oh, you know, you, this is wonderful. You do Saturday night. You do Sunday morning. And then when you walk out of the pulpit Sunday morning, you're all free. You're, you're all done for the day. You got the rest of the day to relax. And then football season came. Who knows? In the South, football is king on Saturday. He couldn't get anybody to come to church on Saturday night anymore. And then he couldn't get them to come back on Sunday night. He lost the whole service because of it. Because people couldn't put their flesh under and just turn their dumb DVR on and record it and come back home later and watch it. How many churches are emptied out on Super Bowl Sunday? Really? You're telling me Super Bowl, I don't care what team is playing. I don't care what the teams are. You're telling me Super Bowl is more important than what you could get sitting in the pew listening to the Word of God and let the Spirit of God minister to you? You're telling me that you actually came out of that Super Bowl with more to benefit your life on an eternal basis than what you would have if you'd been sitting in a seat that looks like this? Really? I don't think so. I I, I know the answer to that. And you can't tell me a different answer because I know it's not so. You know, it just is not. So, so how do you do, how do you deal with distraction? Number one, recognize that distraction is there. You have to recognize the fact the enemy is trying to pull you away from what God wants you to do. You know, you can't, whatever problems in life that you are facing, you cannot let it consume you to the point that that's all you think about. It's all you talk about. It's what you eat, you sleep, you think. And, and I'm telling you, it's been, it's, it's been an, an exercise in learning the last little while. You know, you think you got it all together and then something major goes on, you know, and you find yourself in that place where you're just like, I could have, sh- you know, um, no, no. Listen, he wants, the enemy wants you to take your eyes off what God's word says. He wants you to take your eyes off the plan of God. He wants you to take your eyes off the assignment that God has for you. 
If he can get you distracted by all these different other things, then he has accomplished his goal. And I don't want to help him accomplish anything except his demise. You know, that's it. He wants, he wants us to, to fall for all the tactics and fail to see what he's doing. It's diversionary. Do you hear me? It's diversionary. And, and if he can divert your attention, if he can cause you to, to get away from it, he, he, he will choke out the word so quick, so quick. So, so what do you do? You find that you've been distracted. How do you get back to that place where you, you've got to hold on it again? How do, you, how do you keep from being distracted? Same thing. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. This Paul writing. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, since God and his word are one, then that mean, what it means to be strong is it means to be strong in the word. You can't just lay the word aside. I'll get to it later. I've got to deal with this first. Find a way. Find a way. Find a way. If you don't have time to sit down and read it, then you start quoting it to yourself as you are moving about whatever you're having to do. If you can't do that, then find yourself a CD with scripture on it. If you can't do that, find a CD with a, with a, with a service on it. And I guarantee you, God will minister to you out of it. You find a way to get the word in you. You find the time. You make the time. You, you, there are times during our day where, you, where I, for me, you know, there are times I just want to put my mind on hold. You know, just, just let, me, let me rest it for a while. Listen, the enemy would love for you to just rest it for a while. You can't afford to just rest it for a while. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all things. Well, if you've got a dessert that you're making and you put a little bit of sugar in it, can you say it's rich? No. If you put, you know, okay, so the recipe called for a whole cup of sugar, and I know some of them do. Uh, and you only put an eighth of a cup of sugar in there. There ain't no way you're going to say that's a rich dessert. If you go back and say, let me try this again. I'm going to put a quarter of a cup in there. And you go back and you go, oh, you can't call it rich either. You go back, you try it again. I'm going to put a half a cup of sugar in it this time. It's not rich. It's not rich until you put that whole cup of sugar in there. That's the way you need to look at putting the word in you. Not just a little dabble, do you? But put it in there richly. Fill yourself up on it. If it's one... I'm not, ta I'm not talking about a whole chapter. I'm talking about maybe just one verse. How can one verse be rich? Because when you get into it and you meditate on that one verse and God begins to open up things to you about what the word is saying in that one verse and you begin to meditate on it and meditate on it and, meditate and let it build on the inside of you and build and build and build, 
that's rich. That's letting the word of God dwell in you richly. When it's so, so full in there, that, uh, that's, that's all, ooh, you just, you just can't take anymore, it seems like. I mean, it's just beyond good. That's when it's rich on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And John eight thirty two says, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Some people just think because they know a verse that that's dwelling richly. It's not. It's not. You got to know it. But I'm telling you, when it says the truth will make you free, how does it make you free? Anybody? How does the truth make you free? I'll tell you how it makes you free when you do it. Lots of people can read the same scriptures you read and they're not free. You can read a lot of scriptures that pertain to your situation, and there's direction in there. There's life in there. But until you put it into practice, it's not going to make you free. It's not going to make you free. James says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. That's how you become strong in the Lord, strong in the word, by not just knowing it, not just meditating on it, but by doing it. And so many times the doing of it is just what pastor has been talking about. It's speaking the word, speaking it from a place of revelation, something that's real to you. And see, sometimes people just don't understand that we're not talking about big, long passages. It's just, it could be a simple verse. I said to somebody not long ago, I said, just find something that speaks to your heart and stay on it. Just stay on it. Just stay on it. I had this conversation not long ago with somebody who was, you know, having a, they were facing a situation and they were just, I mean, in tears and, and, and I'm just, and I'm going, yeah, but the words are da 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 da. And I just started start quoting scripture to them and telling them all the things they, they, they should be doing about speaking the word and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I know that, but just sometimes I just, I'm just so upset. But I'm just thinking, okay, so what you just basically told me is everything that I said to you doesn't hold any water because you followed that up with, I know all that, but. And I'm thinking, no, you don't know all that. That's the problem. You don't know all that because you're not doing it. You would never have said the word but, you know, in, in that context, had you honestly known it. Because if you knew it, you'd be doing it. And it's amazing how fast people lose that. You can take somebody and keep them out of church for just two or three weeks. And you'd be amazed at what they lose during that two or three weeks. I remember back in 2001... Um, I had to have some surgery and, and I uh, was not allowed to go upstairs, up and down steps, you know, more than just a couple of steps for like almost three weeks. And so I was out of church for, you know, that almost three weeks. Because, you know, we were in the old church at the time and you had all those steps to go up to get to the auditorium. And so I, I didn't get to go. And uh, I'm telling you what, I felt like a stranger the first time I came back to church. You know, you need to be careful how long you stay out of church, even if it's a vacation. If you, listen, a vacation is a wonderful thing. I would love to have one right now. I would. Um, a vacation is a wonderful thing, but you don't take a vacation from the Word. 
you don't take a vacation from the things of God, you're going to lose valuable ground if you do that. Two weeks, you think, that's not a big deal. Yes, it can be. It really can be a big deal. And you can't afford, is, is that a price you're willing to possibly pay? Is that a price that you, you think is not going to be significant enough that's worth the investment of your time while you're on vacation? I promise you, it, you'll be in better shape when you get back from vacation if you stay in the Word, letting the Word of God dwell in you richly, being a doer of the Word, putting it into practice. Listen, I, somebody once said to me, it's easy to believe God for healing when you're not sick. Because you know it mentally, you're not having to do it. You're not having to practice it. You're not having to speak it and say, listen, you need to get in the habit of saying it and speaking it even when there are no symptoms in your body. Why? Because when the day comes that you find yourself in a place that you're not maybe capable of speaking it, it matters how you went into that situation. It matters. I'm reminded of two or three situations of people who were consistent in their speaking the word into their lives over healing. And a major situation came up in their lives where consciously they were not able to start confessing the word. They were not able to, to speak the word out of their own mouths, but because they had been putting it in there on a consistent basis, their victory was assured because they went in there filled up with the word. Now, when, when those, things, those things began to wane and they were improving and stuff, they got right back in the word, right back. It makes a difference. I can tell you of people who went to sleep on an operating table speaking in tongues and who woke up from the anesthesia speaking in tongues. They were prepared. They went in there prepared, and God moved miraculously in their behalf. And you know, it makes a difference how you go. Don't wait till you get in a situation to go looking for the word. You find it. You find areas of your life that you speak up the word of. Like Pastor, he's always talking, telling you about the, the scripture sheets he's got, and he just lets God lead him as, into which ones of those that he's to focus on that particular day. That's what you need to do. You need to put some areas down on, on, on paper and put some scriptures there, and you need to be able to focus on those and meditate on those as the Lord leads you because he will lead you to the thing that you need for today the way you need to build yourself up in the, in the Word. He'll help you. And when you get built up in the Word, you'll recognize distraction a whole lot faster. Number two, that Word is, uh, in Ephesians 10, go back there, it says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, His might is His Spirit. Be full of the Spirit. Ephesians 3.16, one of my favorite scriptures because it means it has a, has a real powerful meaning to me. And it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He wants to strengthen you with his might by his spirit. Well, how do you do that? Praying in the Holy Ghost was a big one. Ephesians 5.18, just one page over. And it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
Rotherham's translation says, be constantly being full. I'm sorry, that's waste. Um, be constantly being filled. Rotherham says, be getting filled. It's a, it's a continual process, not just something you do once. You know, we, we bought a house from, the, from a couple back in, in 1982 that were Methodists, and they, they'd gotten spirit-filled, so they, were, they considered themselves spirit-filled Methodists. And yet, at one time, I remember asking about, about speaking, yeah, well, I did that once. Once? If you go through the big book of Acts, you'll see examples where the, where the apostles, they were being filled again and again and again. You need a filling every single day. It's a, it's a constant, ongoing process. Do you want your, yourself to be strengthened and be kept strong? Then you have to do this every single day. First uh, Corinthians 14, 4, it says, He that prays in an untaught, unknown tongue edifies himself. What does edify mean? It means to be strengthened. It means to be built up. You know, I, I've seen the times where I was just I was just an emotional wreck and and I learned, okay, to get a hold of my emotions, pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. I am building myself up. I am edifying myself. This is for nobody but me right this minute. I'm not praying about anybody or anything else. I am building myself up. I am getting a hold of my soul person. That soul part of me that's my mind, my will, my emotions. I'm getting a hold of it. You cannot let your emotions take over. And the way you don't let it take, take you over is by praying in the Holy Ghost. It's a big, emotions can become a major distraction to you. If you, if you let them take over and dominate you, it becomes a major distraction. You won't think of it in terms of a distraction, but that's exactly what it is. So you've got to get a hold of yourself. Get a hold. Get yourself built up by praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude, the twentieth verse says, "Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost." So when you go and look, you look at Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Word. And in the power of his might, he's given you two huge things right there. Be strong in the word. Be strong in the spirit. You, if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, you are missing a vital element of your life. If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost every single day, you are shortchanging yourself beyond belief. You just can't do that. And in Ephesians 6, 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That is to understand the word accurately. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Understand that you are righteous, not in and of yourself, 
but because of the redeeming power that Jesus has brought in our lives. We have righteousness. We are righteous because of his redemptive work in us. Number three, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have to daily walk in this world. You have got to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have to walk daily in the light of the word. You know, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. You know, it didn't say it's a spotlight. It didn't say it's a searchlight. It didn't say it's, it's any of these. It says it's a lamp. A lamp doesn't go that far. Sometimes we walk through life and through our day one step at a time. And that's what counts. The next step. I need light for the next step. I need my feet shod with the word for the next step. Because when you have your feet shod, it doesn't matter what's on the ground. It's Florida. You ever tried to walk across hot asphalt in bare feet? Not good. Gone to the beach and walked across the hot sand to get to the cool water? You burn your feet up. God wants your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace so you can walk on any terrain, hot or cold, thorny, rocky, whatever it is. If you have your feet shod, you can walk wherever you need to walk in perfect peace. Hallelujah. Then it says, talks about the shield of faith. The shield of faith will stop every dart. You know, I, I love old Movies, you know, that have got, I'm sorry, battle scenes, you know, like Braveheart, you know, and some of these kind of things. And, and they got shields, you know, and sometimes they're just little shields. But I'm telling you, they know how to use them. You know, they come this way. And sometimes you see these guys with these big shields, you know, and they can plant them in the ground and get, and get totally behind it. Whatever the size shield you need, you got. You've got it. You know, if he's sending some little darts your way, Okay, fine. I got one. You know, I got it. I got it. I got it. What's that? Captain America? I don't know. You know, Wonder Woman? Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, Wonder Woman. That's good, Wonder Woman. Uh, but if you need a big shield, God's got a big shield for you. He's got a big shield. You can quench all the fiery darts. Every last one of them. Hallelujah. Then there's the helmet of salvation. It protects your mind, which the big battleground for us is in our minds. You know, and I went back and I looked up. The sal- salvation has five different meanings. Deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. All the redemptive acts and processes that Jesus provided. Hallelujah. And last but not least, there's the sword of the Spirit. A sword is no good if you don't use it. The word of God is no good if you don't use it. How do you use it? Speaking the word. When the enemy comes your way, you quote the word just like Jesus did in the wilderness. You tell him exactly what the word says. You don't go, well, you know, that's really just not a good idea. You know what you're trying to get me to do. I don't think I'll do that. No, you speak the word to him. You put him on the run with the word. That's what you do. Hallelujah. Um, you know, it says in First Timothy that we fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight of words. You have to take the word that's in you, and you have to begin to speak the word. 
You can't just be silent. You cannot be silent. The silent majority never got anything. It's the vocal few who get the job done. Where are you? Which, which side of that equation are you on? The silent or the vocal? Listen, if everybody around me is going to hell in a handbasket, it ain't going to be me. Because I'm going to tell the devil where to go and what to do with what his, his little plans are. He can just go take them and just go jump in the lake. He might as well just go ahead and jump because he's going to be put there anyway here before too long. And, and then you've got to stand your ground. You, when distractions have come, you've got to stand your ground. When you've recognized them, you're putting them on, you've got to stand your ground. He says, my house, it's my body, it's my bank account, it's my children, it's my marriage. You better put some mind on there. Listen, if Florida's got a stand your ground law, I guarantee you God's got a stand your ground law. And he said, his law says, when you stand your ground on the word, the enemy has got to go. He's got to go. Amen. The Amplified, in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, says it like this. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times, for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, strong, immovable, and determined. Listen, when you find yourself at a place where you have been distracted by things and by people, by issues, by situations, by circumstances, remember Hebrews 4.16, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find grace to help in time of need. There will, if you will allow it to be, a grace that can come upon you to enable you to overcome. In fact, I believe I have something written in the margin there at Hebrews um, 4, verse 16. Let's see. I wrote in here, let us come boldly. I wrote in here, fearlessly and confidently. And to find grace to help in time, I marked in there ability and favor. And you know, I have seen these last few weeks, there's been ability and there's been favor in the situations that I've been having to deal with. And God has been there. You know, it just, I sometimes am just so aggravated with myself when I let my flesh take, take precedence instead of the word. Nobody else I know has ever done that. You know, and you look back and you're gone, I didn't have to endure that. I really didn't. There was grace. There was ability. There was favor there all the time. Why didn't I just access it? Why didn't I? Well, probably because I just wasn't looking. I was allowing the enemy to keep me distracted by all these things. Let me read you a little story real quick before we go. Uh, Anybody ever heard of Florence Chadwick? She was a swimmer. Okay. Uh, this is a story about Florence Chadwick. It says she failed at her first attempt to swim, swim the Catalina Channel because of dense fog. She was only a mile from shore on the 26-mile swim when she quit. 
Afterwards, she said it was not being able to see the land that made her stop. Later, she attempted the same swim, and fog settled in again. But the mental image of the shoreline kept her going. The thief comes to steal God's vision and God's plan out of your hearts. In order to fight weapons of mass distractions, keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. And with that, I am done with one minute to spare. (laughs) Hallelujah. I don't know if that helped you, but I needed it. You know, if it didn't help you tonight, you know, I trust that in some future moments, you know, of life that God brings it back to your remembrance for it to be an aid and assist to you again. You know, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never really too shy about, about telling you about where I'm, I failed in something because I know if I experienced that, you experienced it. You need to know that there are people who, who share the same kind of struggles, who share the same kind of things, but the Word has the answer for you and for me. And I have, to, I have to do what the Word says as much as you do. There's no grace on my life apart from the grace I ask for to, to walk through this life and through any situation the enemy throws at me any more than you do. You know, and so we all are in the same boat, the same position, but the same God, the same God, the same Word works for you and me both. And it will always work if we just put it into practice, to let it dwell richly in us and then to speak what the Word has to say and put the enemy on the run. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.